Welcome to The Real Talk with Tanya Sakowitz podcast, where we help parents and caregivers gain knowledge to increase their confidence and their success in caring for young children. We will cover topics like feeding your baby, getting your baby and you some much needed sleep, and pretty much anything else that has to do with caring for babies and their families after birth. Society sets parents up to fail, and we are here to change that. You can also find full video versions of each episode on our YouTube channel, Newborn Care Solutions. Thanks for tuning in. Good evening and welcome to Real Talk, where every Sunday night we offer insight, education, and resources to in-home caregivers and those affected in their world. These are the children, the parents, the extended family, and everyone who loves them. And our goal is to offer real-life topics and learning through discussing real issues and offering real solutions. And tonight, I'm excited to welcome back our guest, Darian Roberts, who's been with us before. Welcome, Darian. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Darian, and then we're going to jump into our topic tonight. And we're going to talk about feeding, specifically bottle feeding, um, which I think sometimes there's not a lot of great information out. So I'm excited to talk about this. So let me tell you first about Darian. Darian received her Bachelor of Science in Biology from the University of California, Irvine, but the thought of an additional four years at pharmacy school was daunting, thus prompting a premature quarter-life crisis and career change. Darian landed in the Windy City to complete her Master of Science in Occupational Therapy from the University of Illinois at Chicago. Ask anyone from her cohort, and they'll tell you she was passionate about ham therapy. And yet... Darian transitioned from splints and casting to babies and birth equity. Motherhood will do that. Darian is trained in traditional postpartum care, homeopathy, newborn care, and manual therapies. She is a passionate advocate for Black maternal health equity and creating opportunities for high-quality, accessible care within her community. Darian now lives in Los Angeles, California with her husband, son, daughter, and family pet, Fire Dragon, a Bearded Dragon Lizard. And tonight we're going to really dig into this topic of bottle feeding. But Darian, tell us about the lizard. Well, that's what happens when you uh, let a four-year-old pick out their own pet at the reptile store. You know, I was hoping for a turtle, but we got the lizard. Yeah, no kidding. I actually have a friend who's big into those and has a whole room with like all these big giant aquariums. Not my thing. I, as it was, it took two years for my kid to convince me they needed a dog. <laughs> and that's grown on me over time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we're going to dig into bottle feeding. And I know a lot of people kind of go, hey, wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to be promoting nursing babies? Aren't we supposed to be promoting this? But the reality is, as you and I talked before, I like to live in reality. Ideals are great, but families live in reality. And as care providers, we need to help support whatever that reality is for them, right? So let's talk about bottle feeding. Um, Mm -hmm. I would love it if you could share with us first why this is something that you feel like we need to get more information out about. Yeah. So as like a nursing mother uh, myself, well, I just recently weaned uh, my toddler, but um, 
it's it's a lot of pressure on um, mothers and parents to um, maintain an exclusive nursing relationship. And the reality is that a lot of people use bottles and without proper education, um, we know some of the ramifications of that, of overfeeding and um, not just the implications in infancy, but how we see that carry over. There are long-term studies that show um, the feeding impact of elementary school children and what that does. And so when we think about it, it's not just um, only one way to bond and feed the baby that it, there should be more than just the bottle and the baby and milk in the mouth. Like there's more to it than just that. And really making it a comfortable feeding bonding experience. It's, it's more than just picking a bottle. Absolutely. And you touched on the thing I want to ask first, because I see this conversation on a weekly basis at minimum, and a lot of times on an almost daily basis in parenting groups in care provider groups, et cetera. What's the best bottle? And we all have our preferences, but we want to focus on what's really best for baby, right? Yeah. And that's almost a trick question because the best bottle is the one that's best for that baby. So there's no way to say like, um, this is the gold standard bottle that all babies should be able to take. Like that bottle, I feel like um, in my professional opinion, in my clinical experience, like that's, that's not accurate to say. Fantastic. And I love that. And I tell people that all the time. I'm like, look, I have my preference. Sure. But I'm not on the other end of the bottle. Exactly. And just because it's not my preference means it's right for that situation. Exactly. So we have to think about what is the baby able to manage? What's feasible for that parent to provide? Exactly. Right. So if I'm a parent or I'm a caregiver and I'm at mm-hmm. the store and I'm looking or I'm on Amazon and I'm looking, there's literally a multitude of different kinds of nipples and inserts and all the different stuff. Do I need a bag? Do I need the little parts? Do I have to clean all those parts? So let's talk about nipple shape. Um, mm-hmm. Does that matter? Is there's one that's better than the other? Is it's one that's better for newborns? Let's just open that up. Yeah. So um, generally there's symmetrical and asymmetrical. So when we think about symmetrical, it could be something like this, mm-hmm. where it's similar all the way around or like this, mm-hmm. right? But these are different shapes, even though they're still symmetrical, or it could be asymmetric. So something like this. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about um, what a baby's mouth and oral motor skills should be doing, we don't want something asymmetric. But there, there's always um, a reason for this bottle, right? <laughs> so I do use it, even though it doesn't promote ideal oral motor skills. There's, there's still a place and a time to use that bottle. So generally thinking about something symmetric and then um, thinking about the age of the baby. So a newborn kind of early baby is they're okay with something, you know, this small. But then once that baby gets bigger, you may want to move to something wider. Um, so it really just depends on the age of the baby, what their oral motor skills are, because, um, just generally in my practice, I see a lot of uh, babies with tongue ties. Right. And so that's something that I have to deal with a lot and whether, um, that parent chooses to, uh, have a release or not a release and things like that, we have to figure out what's going to work for this baby. If mom, you know, needs to give a bottle. And mm-hmm. so there's a time and place for every bottle, but generally we want to think about something that's consistent and flow. Um, and there is some published research. It's um, a study by Pados and um, it's called Know the Flow. 
And so think about it generally of uh, what nipples are reliable. So if you go back to the store and buy another pack, is that going to be the same flow as the pack you already have? That's important. So is it reliable and is it consistent? And generally, what is the flow rate based on what baby can manage? Mm-hmm. And so for our audience who might not know what you mean by flow, flow rate, can you mm-hmm. expand on that just a little bit? Yeah. So usually um, bottles will have something on here like this one says one which indicates a level one flow. Um, Other bottles may call it a slow flow versus a medium flow. And there's no regulation on any of this. And so uh, a level one Dr. Brown's may not be the same as a level one Avent, right? Phillips Avent, like those aren't gonna be the same flow. So it's very confusing to kind of sift through all this information, especially like if you're just like in the store and looking at everything all at once, it's very hard to tell what the difference is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so if parents say, okay, so what do I, how do I figure this all out? Um, or how do I know if I have the right thing or if something's not quite going right? What should they be looking for to make mm-hmm. sure that everything's working or that there's maybe a sign that there's a concern and they need more help? Yeah. Um, so one of the biggest things that I see is, colic. Mm -hmm. So they just get a blanket diagnosis of colic and really colic is just a symptom of something else. And usually I find it's digestive. So something's happening with the feeding. Um, So it could be something like a reflux or something actual, uh, a medical condition, or it's just like, they're not feeding. um, It's not the best bottle for that baby if they're on the bottle. And so look for things of um, maybe trapped gas, uh, leaking, if the milk is leaking out the side of the mouth, if a uh, baby continuously gags when they're trying to accept the bottle, um, coughing, taking either a very short time to finish the bottle, like if the baby can suck down ounces in two to three minutes, that's, that's not a good, it's not ideal. Or if the baby's taking 30, 40 minutes to finish only a couple of ounces, that's maybe uh, a sign of further evaluation as well. Mm-hmm. And you brought up something indirectly, but I think it's super important is if somebody says, okay, I think my baby might be having some issues. I think I might need a little support. Where do they find that? Is it their pediatrician? Is it somewhere else? Where is the best place for them to get support around this? Um, well, the pediatrician is probably not going to have an in-depth knowledge of all these different bottles because their brain is taken up with a lot of medical issues, right? <laughs> of what could be happening and managing medical problems. And so, but the pediatrician can refer you to either a um, occupational therapist, a speech language pathologist, or a, an IBCLC. Um, it just really depends on other maybe conditions that the baby has, if there's more medical conditions um, that may be more appropriate to see the therapist, or you can just find a well-trained IBCLC. Fantastic. And if somebody says, great, where do I find that? (laughs) Well, um, there are a couple of um, continuing education classes for IBCLC. So sometimes if you look at their website, they'll have like a badge or something like that of a course they've taken, or you can just ask them. Do you have um, extensive knowledge in bottle feeding, bottle refusal? Do you see a lot of cases like this? 
Or if you're asking the therapist, you can say like, do you have a feeding clinic as part of your, um, as part of your clinic space or is there a feeding uh, space here? And do they specialize in infants? That's important to know just because it's a pediatric therapy place doesn't mean that they work a lot with infants. And that's important to know. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you brought up IBCLCs because a lot of times people think, oh, well, if I'm not nursing, an IBCLC can't help me. But the reality is a, a quality, well-trained one can, can't they? Absolutely. And so as an IBCLC and an OT, I really um, have delved into this uh, bottle feeding space and I deal a lot with not just bottle feeding, but bottle refusal, because that's something I see a lot in my practice as well. Absolutely. And so we've talked a lot about feeding. Um, What, one of the things that we hear a lot, we hear this term, oh, we should do paste feeding. Mm -hmm. Then recently I've seen a lot of things that say, oh no, you shouldn't do paste feeding. You should only do that. So let's talk about this. Pace feeding versus responsive feeding. What do these terms mean and what do people need to know? Yeah. So generally, pace feeding is um, a term used to uh, where the parent or caregiver, whoever's feeding the baby, is intentionally slowing down the pace of the feed to make sure that baby isn't taking in too many ounces at, you know, in a certain time period, it's, I feel like it's very generic. Usually they focus on the bottle being completely horizontal, maybe half filling the nipple, um, and using a very slow, usually recommended, uh, like a premature nipple flow. And I feel like anytime you hear a cookie cutter kind of recommendation, blanket, blanket recommendation, I immediately question it because, um, there's no one thing that works for every single baby. And, um, especially using a preemie flow. <laughs> like that I generally don't don't like that idea unless your baby's actually premature. Um and so that's generally what pace feeding means. Responsive feeding is being um taking more of that um uh let's see attachment parenting kind of approach of looking and reading the baby so you're reading the baby's cues of yes I'm hungry. Um yes I'm willing to accept your offer of giving me food through this bottle. And looking for signs of stress, maybe during the feeding, uh, usually we'll see like a little furrowed brow if they're starting to get stressed, or maybe they're, they're clenching while they're feeding, they can't relax while they're feeding. So it's really tuning in and tapping in and paying attention to the baby and being responsive as the feeder to say like, okay, well, it looks and trusting the baby too, that they can take their own breaks as needed, that they uh, know when they're full and when they're still hungry. Yeah. And I think too often we are so focused on got to make sure they get fed. You know, we get it from the medical community, but we also get it from the parenting community and love to tell you it's not the case, but we also get it from the caregiver community. Tank that baby up. Let's get them enough foods because we are so focused on getting babies sleeping through the night rather than paying attention and trusting them to regulate their own systems. And frankly, You know, if we pay attention, most babies will sleep through the night when they're biologically ready to do so anyway. Um, But there's such, it's almost like we've made it a contest. How old was your baby when they were sleeping? My babies wouldn't sleep, you know? And it can be very difficult for parents to have a clear understanding of that. Um, So I love that you shared about that. 
Before we wrap up, because we're getting close to being out of time already, is there anything else that you want to share with our audience or anything that you want to leave them with as a takeaway around this? And then I have one more question for you. Yeah, I will say um, try one. So many times I walk in and see the, the island full of bottles. Try one, see how it works. Really pay attention. Just take good observations, get good data, and then make an informed next decision. Give yourself some grace. Yeah, fantastic. I, I, I'm always amazed when I hear that. I've tried eight different bottles and I can't mm-hmm. find one. And I'm like, well, how long did you try? Well, I gave it one feeding. It's like, probably takes a little more time to really see what's working and what's not. So mm-hmm. that is so great. So thank you so much for joining us, Darian. I love that we've got so much great information out there. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And before we wrap up, because I know you have a class around this, uh, please share with our audience a little bit about that class. We will, of course, put all your contact information in the feed and in the description on social media. Um, But tell them a little bit about that class and who it's for. Yeah. So this class is either for the professional caregiver, so a nanny or an NCS, or the parent that just likes a lot of information because I go through a lot of information and I go through each bottle. I show you the shape, the texture, all the things. So we talk about a lot about what the components of what could be a good bottle for the baby that you're specifically working with. And then I go deep dive into talking about responsive feeding and things like that and troubleshooting issues. Fantastic. I love that. Um, and like I said, we'll put that in the feed so that people can get more information. They know how to reach out to you about that class, but thanks so much for joining us. And thank you to our audience for joining us this evening. If you have any questions around this topic or anything about bottle feeding or Darian's class, please put those questions in the feed and tag Darian or tag Newborn Care Solutions. We'll make sure you get answers. And as always, you can find this and all of our other content by going to newborncaresolutions.com and clicking on the education tab. And of course, all of our Real Talks are on our YouTube channel as well. Thanks so much for joining us and have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk with Tanya Sackowitz podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And if you liked what you heard, please share it on social media or send it directly to someone you think might benefit. It would also be a huge support if you could rate and review the podcast on whatever player you're currently listening on so that other people can find the content easier. You can also connect to us by following us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok or checking out our website at newborncaresolutions.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Real Talk Podcast with Tanya Sakowitz.